Welcome to the JCR, a Massey podcast where people and ideas intersect. I'm Prangel Tiwari, a graduate student here at the University of Toronto. Today, I'm joined by two fellow junior fellows who both have a background in physics and are interested in talking about fusion. Darby Bates. Hello. And Felix Menza. Hello. This episode, we're going to talk about how far we've gotten with nuclear fusion and the engineering and physics challenges that we've overcome. And I'm going to explain this all to you without using any jargon. So I'm sure everyone's heard that fusion is the fuel of the future. That's only a decade away for the past 40 years. So that begs the question, why isn't it already here? And I just wanted to talk about how far we've gotten. The idea behind all this is pretty simple. We want to take the power of the sun in the palm of our hand without turning into a Spider-Man villain. The, the physics behind all this is pretty well understood. There's been decades of research, and we have a pretty good idea of how hydrogen fuses into helium and then makes energy. The physics behind this is pretty simple. We have a bunch of hydrogen, and we want to make it combine together and then make, uh, produce some energy a- afterwards. But the problem is we're not the sun, so we want to get the, the most bang for our buck by using the least amount of energy input to get the most amount of energy output. Essentially, solar panels are just fusion from a distance. So why don't we just bring the sun to us and get the whole fusion part, right? That's, that's, that's the idea. There's this international collaboration called ITER, I-T-E-R. They've been trying to make an experimental reactor in southern France to try to get this fusion thing to be commercially viable. There's many other fusion reactors out there, and the one that we heard about a few months ago that made a breakthrough is a separate one, but I I wanted to talk about this one in specific. They use these uh, types of reactors uh, called a tokamak. Uh, It basically looks like a donut. So this donut with magnets around it, the idea behind it is you take a bunch of hydrogen, you, you throw it into the donut. If the hydrogen gets hot enough, it will start to ionize, so it'll be just the nucleus inside of it. So it positively charged particles. If they're moving, you have magnets in there. You can control where it is by, you know, moving it in a circle and ramp up the magnet intensity to get it into a smaller space. And getting it into a smaller space makes it hotter, which eventually fusion. Why is it donut shaped? I don't know. I mean, I so this design is from the 60s. Like Soviet scientists came up with this design and it's just the best one that we have. You know, magnets want to move things in circles, so if it's a circular shape and a donut in the middle... But why is there something in the middle? Yeah, I, I think there's magnets going all the way around. So it's a toroid. Well, also a donut, if you look at it from the outside. But yes, it is a toroid. Isn't a donut just a toroid? I guess when you say it's a donut, I picture it being a solid thing that you're, like, shoving stuff oh. through the center of the oh, donut. So, so, so you need to say, like, a donut-shaped space. Or like a donut-shaped cavity. A hollow donut. A hollow donut. Mm -hmm. A ring, if you will. But but I still don't know why there's a center in the in the donut. I assume it serves some functionality that I just don't know. Because like where where does the fusion happen? Well the fusion happens in the middle of this donut cavity. So the fusion is happening in a ring around the center of the donut. So as I understand the uh, the gas in it is slowly getting forced into a central line around the donut. Mm Mm-hmm. I think with the description before, I was thinking that you were talking about just squishing it all toward the center of the oh. donut, like oh. filling the hole. Yeah, no. 
We'd need the sun for that. Yeah, then we'd really be Dr. Octavius. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like the, the arc reactor in Iron Man. It kind of does. <laughs> I was going to tell you how far we've gotten. So why don't we start by stating the problems that the program ran into, and if either of you can try to think of a solution to this problem. And, of course, at the end, I'll give you an answer. So, problem one. We need the most optimal fuel. There's, there's three options. We either use regular hydrogen where we, that we can find anywhere, or this heavier type of hydrogen, which is harder to come by. Have you heard of heavy water? Yes, it took me ages to find the, uh, the D on the periodic system. <laughs> you forgot you forgot the yeah okay he's referring to deuterium which is uh the heavier hydrogen so heavy water is used to make nukes and it's basically hydrogen which is a single proton with an extra neutron so it's like double as heavy as a regular hydrogen our optimal fuel uses one deuterium and then an even heavier version with an extra neutron on it called tritium so it's uh one hydrogen with two neutrons on it why is it the most optimal fuel? It's physics. It's nuclear physics. I, I don't know how to, I can't explain it. It's just, it is what it is. This stuff is really rare to find. Like if we took a massive bucket of water and water is just two hydrogens and an oxygen, the concentration of deuterium would be one in every 6,400 atoms of hydrogen. Tritium has an abundance of one in every trillion atoms of hydrogen. So it's, it's really hard to come by. We need a really big bucket. It ends up that there's about 12 kilograms in the entire ocean. So that's our first big problem. Uh, the question is, the most optimal fuel, the one that we are going to use, is deuterium and tritium. This, tritium, this deuterium stuff, we can find anywhere. Tritium is very hard to come by. Can you think of a solution? Make a, make a wanted poster and offer a reward. Ooh, that's a good one. Have you seen this tritium? Well, if we just start with a little bit. Ooh, and we just make more? Yeah, that's the correct answer. We just make more. <laughs> so uh, if we just start with a little bit of tritium as our fuel, we can make more fuel as we go on. So say when an asteroid hits the Earth, it goes, it, it goes and smashes into the Earth real fast, and bits of asteroid just get, get flung everywhere. And, well, it's going to be the same thing with atoms in fusion. Going really fast, a bit of the atom is going to fly off because it's... You know, such an energetic reaction. I like the idea of, of them finding the first bit of, of uh, deuterium and tritium. And We've just done like, it. Just like, hey, Dave, we need you to run out and get another one again. We need to start our experiment here. Well, would they have known that they could make more before they did it? This knowledge was probably around for several decades. So uh, the atoms, when they're fusing, bits of neutrons fly out. And if you have something some blankets of lithium, as they call it. If a neutron hits this lithium, well, it's going to break apart the lithium and turn it into tritium and something else. And, well, that's, that's, that's our fuel. We need more of that. So you just layer layers and layers of this lithium. You'll get more fuel as you start, start the reactor. So those lithium layers are on the outside of our donut? I think they're on the inside of the donut before the magnets. Right, so when our tritium splits off, it gets directly sucked into that ring of... Uh... Yes, Kay. yes it would. Is it just like lining the inside of the... Yeah, it's lining the inside. Lithium is lining the inside. And then on the other side of that is magnets. Does it have to be layers of lithium or is it just like coated in lithium? I, I don't know. I guess however much they have on hand. 
So whenever they have to do maintenance, entire <laughs> lithium just falls down. Um, you know, this, I think this is a dangerous donut. I don't know if they'll actually do maintenance Danger on it. Danger donut. <laughs> if it doesn't stop, oh, like if it stops working, they just give up on it. Well, but they have to like make it and test it. You know, they don't just like start it up and say, oh, there's a crack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they'll test it, obviously. But once I imagine once it starts going, it won't ever stop until it's break, broken down or something. Comforting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a I don't work on the fusion reactor. I'm just here. I'm liking this idea of a dystopian future where they just keep doing these experiments and we just keep getting more of these donuts. <laughs> There's donuts everywhere. What's going on? All of southern France is suddenly taken over by, by fusion donuts. <laughs> I guess I had a question when you were describing the trillium regeneration. Mm -hmm. Is it that you get the amount of trillium that you started with back? After some decay? Uh, yeah. It's essentially one neutron goes into a lithium, and then one of the reactions is you get one tritium back, so you don't lose anything, and the other type of reaction is you get two tritium back, so you add more fuel. That's that's the idea, at least. Do you wind up with too much? Oh, there's never too much. We have too little tritium. Do they have to start with tritium? Yeah, the, the reaction, it has to be deuterium and tritium, and that creates the energy... But like the initial state, couldn't they just have deuterium that splits into... Oh, yeah. I guess in principle, they could start with none of it, uh, none of the tritium, and then make more from the lithium as they go on. But I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Now, that's one problem solved. But problem two. Oh my god, there's neutrons flying out of this reaction. That's like really radi radioactive. We're, we're all going to die of cancer if we turn this thing on. Any solutions? It's the moon. The moon. Oh, yeah. No, nobody to get radiation <laughs> sickness there. I don't know. Put it way underground in a metal box and hope. That's a good plan. Well, you had the right idea. If you just... These neutrons, they're going to come out of the reaction, but that's kind of what we want. That's like our power source and how we make more fuel. So we can't really get rid of it. The solution is just to make a bunch of shielding have a bunch of metal or concrete or put it underground or whatever. That's a pretty solvable problem, considering that there's few fission reactors around that make a lot of radiation as well. And somehow we haven't all died of cancer yet. So you may ask, how expensive is all this? How expensive is all this? Oh, thank you for asking. The, there's super connecting magnets around, and there's lasers to heat the up the, the gas. I didn't actually talk about that, but to get it hot enough, you throw some lasers in there and you get the gas hot and don't even get me started on getting the fuel i mean how big of a bucket of water do you need can you wager a guess at how expensive this all would be well what what costs are we talking about the building costs or like the manual labor costs or just building it in the first place materials or mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars you're getting close so several you? billions several million billion probably billion so well, ITER, uh, the international collaboration to get the nuclear... Is that an acronym? Yeah. So ITER, it, it stands for the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor. No, it's, it's, it's a collaboration. Um, their budget for making the experimental reactor is about 20 billion euros just to make the, the experimental one. The commercial one will get a bit cheaper once they have all this settled, but it's still really expensive. <laughs> Is that including paying all the people? Because I think I was just talking about the cost of making the donut. Oh, 
Actually, that is including pain of people. So I guess you would be around correct. It, it would be in the hundreds of millions, I would expect. So you, so you may ask yourself, why are we making a 20 billion euro reactor of a technology that doesn't even work yet when we could just make a natural gas power plant that's a fraction of the cost and we know will work? Because it sounds cool as heck. It is so cool. I made a fusion reactor. Now, how many people can put that on the resume? Also, the first person who makes a fusion reactor can sell tritium to everyone else who comes after. Oh, true. They can be the tritium supplier. The obvious reason is climate impacts. Mm -hmm. So this would have, unless there's some unmentioned climatological outputs of this fusion reactor, which I don't know that there are not. Yeah, there might be. Like, there's always the, how do you get the magnets and the lithium? You have to mine it all out, and I don't know what you do to make all this ma this stuff. But at least it would have the potential to decrease or to, to have a lower amount of climatological impact than natural gas. Yeah, absolutely. But that's where we are today. It's it's not really proven yet, and it's incredibly expensive to make, so everyone isn't exactly clamoring to make their own fusion reactor, except France, apparently. I think you should check that it's actually France doing it. It is France. It well, is, it, like, France? No, it's it's in southern France, but it's an international collaboration between, like, many places. I think you've made it sound like France is the only one doing it. Oh, it's not just France. It's in southern France, but it's not just France. You do have to wonder what the consequences of one of those generators uh, going wrong are, considering that nuclear reactors are already getting pretty bad once they overheat. You know, I'm not sure about that. I can only assume that it's going to be better than using an, a natural gas power plant. A lot of the engineering problems have been solved uh, or, or, or seem, to be, seem to be dealt with, or we have some workarounds, but we haven't yet found an economical way to get fusion power off the ground. So that's where we are. For power generation on Earth today, it's probably not more efficient than using solar panels or hydro or whatever to combat climate change. And that's a quick overview of where we are today. So do you have any closing thoughts? Well, I'd, I'd still hope it would be underground, not off the ground. Oh. <laughs> I see. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm Rachel Tuari, and I've been joined by Darby Bates and Felix Menza from the University of Toronto. You've been listening to the JCR, a production of the Junior Fellows at Massey College at the University of Toronto.